What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Renegade Jukebox on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. Join me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Hey, guys. And this is the start of a passion project that he and I have had um, planned for at least a little bit. We are finally breaking down all of the studio albums from Machine Head. And what better place to start than the beginning? Unlike the Eminem yeah. retrospective, we're we're taking we're taking this album by album because at least at least for one of us, Machine Head Machine Head is a is a pretty big deal. Nick, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say this is probably one of your favorite bands, if not your favorite. My fifth favorite, my favorites being Metallica, Rush, Lamb of God, Trivium, then Machine Head. Uh, All right. And this is also being done because we are anticipating a new studio album coming out this summer. So, yeah. And plus, we're doing this track by track and album to album this time, largely due to they're just being a wealth of material to work with. And plus it's not like, you know, with Eminem, like every single song off each record could just be, it's a, we figured it would work best in this format. Yeah. So before we actually get into the album proper, there's, um, there is a, a lot of historical context, both personally and the year 1994 which was honestly a pretty banger year for metal. Um, Cause this was, this was the year we not only had um, Pantera's far beyond driven. Um, we also had in flames debut came out um, as well. Divine intervention by Slayer terminal spirit disease by at the gates and more underrated gem cross purposes by black sabbath the bleeding by cannibal corpse and part of the way through the year corn's debut promised land by queen's reich people really love to say that oh metal was dead in the 90s and the only band there was was pantera which i find I find that to be kind of a massive exaggeration. Yes, grunge was big. Yes, metal was not. It wasn't selling, like, topping the charts like it normally would in, like, the in the 80s or the 70s, for that matter. But I, I do think it is kind of an exaggerated statement that, oh, there was absolutely no metal. There was nothing important. No metal bands were that I kind of find that to be ridiculous. Yeah, one of the things that really frustrates me when it comes to uh, mu music discussion especially is the kind of historical revisionism where just because it wasn't like the biggest thing ever that it just didn't exist. But the, the titles that you listed off ultimately prove that not to be the case. Well, I... My thing is just, yes, while Nirvana was was the huge band from 1991 to 94, people act like 
it was just 1991 to 1994 metal was completely out of the picture altogether nothing to do with metal no metal records got released it was only pantera and metallica that's it and i just kind of go man you do not do your homework or do your digging because well here here's kind of how we have to start things off with machine head because i don't know if mike knows about this but machine head started due to one rob flynn being in a bay area thrash band called violence and what winds up happening is rob is getting kind of tired of just playing the same same standard thrash metal that's kind of been done throughout the through the mid to late 80s what ends up happening is he writes a song called death church he brings that song to the band and they don't like it so at a festival with metallica faith no more and soundgarden he and a local bassist named adam deuce decide to get together and try to form a band and then eventually logan mater and chris contos enter the picture also we can't mention we can't forget to mention tony costanza rest in peace because he was briefly part of the band by 1994 we get their debut record burn my eyes and boy what a debut um now one one more one more question before we actually get into the meat of this record um what what was your first exposure to machine head um I would say it's kind of a bunch of things. Um, I honestly remember seeing the From This Day video back again, going back to much music over and over again, Canadian. <laughs> I remember seeing the music video for that back in like late 1999. Um, I don't think I don't think I knew the band's name specifically, but like when I have gone back to see that music video it's very familiar and it's ringing a bunch of bells so i just am like oh i remember this video i remember this band but when i first actively like sought them out i think it was it was either them opening for metallica or them going on tour with Slayer and Megadeth. I can't I can't remember specifically, but it was either something it was either some kind of tour that they were supposed to be part of. Nice. One huge thing about this band is these songs go over live. Oh yeah. And there's one in particular that um I I think is should still be their um live staple um but we'll get to that in a bit my my first exposure to the band was a little bit later um it it was during during the time of the blackening i was just kind of scrolling on all the various uh music choice channels and i stumbled upon the single halo um and then from there, I just kind of got curious about the band since 
at the time they were assigned to Roadrunner and Roadrunner has, you know, Slipknot, Trivium, Killswitch, I think at the time. So I was, I was just kind of browsing their catalog and that's when I started to get more into this, uh, you know, this uh, groove metal um, genre that they were involved in. And yeah, from there, I just really grew to love to love that sound. Uh, but this is where this is where it all began. Um, so yeah, let's let let's dive into this because we have to start with a really great opening track, uh, Davidian. I am going to. I don't think this is a big hot take, but. It's a hot take nonetheless, I guess. I think this song could go toe-to-toe with Battery, Angel of Death, Wake Up Dead, or just any great thrash opening track. It it could go toe-to-toe with one of those songs and just not miss a beat because, oh my God, name me a more iconic drum intro. I'll wait. Seriously. I, I, I didn't I didn't realize um, exactly what I what I was getting into with this album um, until I heard this track and heard uh, Chris Contos on the drums and I'm like oh oh so it's so it's one of these it's one of these numbers yeah that 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 really sets the tone for the rest of the album to come also a name you're going to be hearing a lot is logan mater the lead guitarist at the time this this dude packs in riff after riff on basically every track yeah the guy the thing about logan mater's riffs and the thing you've got to keep in mind about like mid to late 90s metal is that a lot of people do tend to compare guitarist to dimebag and to pantera and while yes it is very obvious that they love pantera on this record it's equal parts slayer and equal parts biohazard all three bands throughout the 90s they would open up for so on one hand the influence makes sense but at the same time it's not like they're just copying what pantera was doing yeah, I was I was gonna say um, as as much as as much as this this album and this band in general has their roots in in like thrash and groove metal, I also hear a little bit of uh, like that sort of New York hardcore style in in there too. Like I know I I know Rob Flynn is is friends with the guys in uh, Earth Crisis, so I'm I'm one I'm wondering how much uh, how much crossover. Uh, these two bands kind of had stylistically. Well, they also did covers of songs like Allen's on Fire by Poison Idea and Cro-Mag's song Hard Times. So like it, it's pretty clear hardcore is part of part of their sound at this stage. But that's the other thing about Machine Head too, is that it's not they're not a metalcore band, I would say. Mostly just due to the fact that it's it's pretty clear Machine Head draws from like different different styles of metal rather than just 
rather than just thrash death or groove because like you also got to remember while i did say that you know people exaggerated how people exaggerated how little metal there was in the 90s specifically in the bay area thrash was basically gone at this point so machine head were clearly either they were either playing with punk bands like rancid or playing with grind grindcore bands like napalm death Mm. and specifically from what i've read they were recording this album right at the same time uh right at the same time rancid were recording let's go and green day were recording dookie so i mean hey we got three world changing records right there in that one year so wow but more on davidian davidian's just oh my god everything from the riffs to the drumming to the bass playing these guys are pretty obviously talented musicians that know how to craft a song yet make it sound something intense and vital and oh my god the lyrics (laughs) like who you cannot yell let freedom ring with a shotgun blast in public but this song will literally make you want to scream that at the top of your lungs (laughs) They 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 do know how to how to uh, craft some uh, pretty powerful lyrics. Yeah, because specifically Davidians about the Waco siege from '93. So it's pretty obvious that this album it's political, but it's not done in a way that's made to. It's not done in a way that makes it sound super dated either. Yeah, like. Um, they're, they're not, they're not necessarily preaching to a choir. They're just kind of, they're, they're, they're just kind of addressing, addressing current events. Yeah, exactly. And even despite me saying that none of this feels dated at all, and just to kind of transition into the next track, Despite them specifically saying the year 1994, again, this does not feel dated at all because the way Davidian and Old just flow right into each other, man, this album's just not stepping off your neck. It just keeps it like, it almost treats it like a gas pedal. It does not let off. No, it does not. And I kind of, alluded to this before but old 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 should have should like always be a like a live staple because every every time i've i have listened to this track i i just kind of um i just kind of fill in the crowd in like in my head um just because like the energy the speed the intensity of this song just it's just kind of perfect for that environment. Oh yeah. This song throws down, especially in a live environment. I mean, old like, yeah, it's a very short song. Yeah. The chorus does get in your head, but at the same time, it doesn't let off. It doesn't, you basically never get the impression. You're not listening to a badass metal track. 
you're always just getting like riff at riff after riff after riff and it sounds so different and unique especially especially compared to basically most bands of the time it's not derivative of anything no plus I would even argue that throughout Machine Head's catalog, this is one thing I do miss about the band. Rob Flynn and Adam Deuce kind of have like a brilliant Allison Chains vocal kind of trade-off happening, the way Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell would trade trade vocals back and forth with each other. Oh, and I, and and to and to think we're not getting that anymore is really kind of sad. We will delve into that on later albums, but yeah, that's that's one of the things that made this band great was just the vocal trade-off. It it's clearly a unique thing that happens in this band. But yeah, old rules, but we don't want to give the impression either that this album is purely just front-loaded because we still got technically nine tracks but it's actually eight and an interlude track but uh let's jump into a thousand lies um in in my notes i put um slower but not less heavy um and even even that i like is not even all that true it just kind of starts off um at a lower tempo but by the end of the track it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're Machine Head. We're taking this up to 11. Oh, yeah. Even when the album does slow down on tracks later on on the record, it's it's not going to stop. That clean intro, as great as it is, it just kind of gives you a brief little break from like the nine-minute assault you just experienced. Now we're getting more political lyrics, more badass riffs, more fast drumming. And man, just everything about the, and for a six minute song, it blows by really quick. It really, it really does. Yeah. And and plus the soloing. I, I have no idea if it's Rob or Logan doing the guitar solo on this record, but man the the trade off the solos that logan would come up with at this point in the band were something special and by the way just throwing this out there i even have my burn my eyes shirt on for this episode nice (laughs) so yeah you can tell that i'm excited to talk more about this because oh my god this this would be whenever i would make machine head specific playlists i would go out of my way to put this and the next song in it every time um none but my own i would say this is the beginning of a lot of their black sabbath worship that happens throughout the catalog but man for a song that slows it down it's not slow or dirgy or lethargic it's it slows it down enough to just keep it engaging. Yeah. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, th- this is one of the like personal tracks on, on the record. So um, the fact that it's still 
it still retains its heaviness. Really, um, it, it, it really, it really makes a state, a statement for, um, for the band. Yeah, this is, we've got to keep in mind a lot of the personal stuff that comes on later records. Like, yeah, this one, it does have to do with physical and mental abuse, but it's not, it's not as fleshed out as it would be, say, on like the more things change or through the ashes of empires or, or the burning red for that matter. It, this is definitely just one of those songs that I feel, I feel could be universal, that it could be something political, but it also could be something that's, something that's also personal and and those are those are usually the tracks that like that people connect with the most because it's it's lyrics that like anybody can latch on to and and yet and yet the song at its core still still has like um that personal connection to uh the writers which if you want lyrics that just to just continue adding to the great lyrics that just keep getting added to this record. The opening lines to the rage to overcome just hit so hard. I don't know about you, but they just hit me personally, just saying the world, this world does not want me. This world does not care. And I'm a part and I'm a product of this world confused. I'd say that's fair. Oh that, God. I, I, I have been feeling that for a while. Yeah, that way to go for the feels, man. Like that, that's the one thing I've got to say about just the lyrics. Yeah, they're very blunt and to the point, but at the same time, they still make you feel something. And it's not just the music doing that. It's the lyrics too, because for me, both have to reinforce each other yeah and on this on this on this record um the the lyrics are just as heavy as the instrumentals just in different in different ways that riff man that like the way they incorporate the pinch harmonics and just still keeping the speed up it's just something very unique that even though we would get albums like demanufacture by fear factory even though we'd get even though we were getting far beyond driven and the great southern trend kill two years later by pantera it still felt like something different and unique at the time and it's not dated all all i have on my notes for uh, the rates overcome. I just put down the names Chris Contos and Logan Mater because they, them, and also Adam Deuce are they, they're the stars of of uh, of this track. Just yeah. like just the like the drum like the drum intro from um, from Contos is like it, it's it's killer. Yeah, none of the drumming really lets off the gas pedal. I guess you could owe that to the hardcore elements, just keeping like that constant speed up. But at the same time, it still has like technical precision to it. Um, so uh, next song, Death Church. 
this, this is, is this is the this is like the the first pr- pretty much the first machine head song to come into existence pretty much um honestly i didn't when i was just getting into the band i always remembered liking this song but i never came back to it lately though i'm just going man i revisiting this i just love this more now i honestly i think death church sounds at least to me it sound it sounds the most like i don't know i don't know how else to say it it just sounds the most like machine head it's 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 pretty much it's pretty much what like every other album would would like take pieces from in the in the future yeah this is definitely a springboard song yet at the same time it doesn't feel like it i i don't know for me i'd say this is the most sabbath worshipy song on the album just because of the slower tempo yet at the same time it just keeps building and building throughout the song yeah, I, I I hear the Sabbath influences, but I also kind of hear a little bit of Biohazard in there too, with the uh, like with the riffs. Yeah, definitely because I mean the thing that I think people undersell, especially at this point, how big of a deal Biohazard was in the '90s, and plus you got to remember by the time this album was released in '94, it was either just thrash metal death metal groove prog and that was it that was typically what was either being released or talked about there wasn't new metal there wasn't gent there wasn't metalcore there was and really at this point machine head and pantera really are kind of like the beginning of the new way they're not like the new wave of American heavy metal in the sense of like Lamb of God, God forbid, Shadows Fall, Kill Switch, etc. They, they, more... They're 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 like the generation uh, just below it. They're the bands that said metal is still cool, guys. You can keep making badass music. <laughs> that's the way. Yeah, that's kind of the way I'd put it. But Death Church, it it's a killer track. It again, it was one of those that. I don't know. Now that I'm older and I've lived with this album longer, I just kind of look back on it and go, man, I wish I jammed this more. Honestly, same. Um, I I wish I was more exposed to this record because I could, it, it just feels like one that, that could, that could have been very uh, formative for me growing up. Oh, trust me, man. Like when I first heard this album, I was, I'm positive I downloaded it, but I didn't get to it at the time when I initially downloaded it in about like grade 10. I would want to say at least like late grade 11, early grade 12 for me was when I first heard this album. And what I wound up doing was the first time I heard it, I was just like, this is so bloody heavy that I there's so much I got to pick up on in this record that I literally just spun it twice in one day. I was like, I'm not. One part of me was like, man, I like this, but I'm also not sure at the same time. I've got to jam it again, like right now. 
and then I just ended up spinning it like as soon as I got home. So, um, one song that I'm kind of bummed doesn't get played very much live is A Nation on Fire. What's funny is in, in my notes, I put, I put, um, under, under the track name, um, I said accurate title for today because I, I, I don't know how it is um, up north, but in the States with everything going on, um, yeah, the, the, the human world is a mess, basically. Yeah. They, oh, trust me, man. It's the same up here in Canada. It's just in instead of exclusively black people it's native people like in the indigenous communities specifically that like i'm not saying black discrimination doesn't happen in canada but the most like the most prevalent discrimination i don't know if that would be the right or appropriate word would be discrimination towards the indigenous communities so it's this is a song that's also very topical, but the way it's handled, it's just done in a way that just does not make it feel like this is specifically tailored to events in 1994, that it's applicable regardless of what decade you're listening to it in. And that's what, to me, that's what all good music should strive to do. Yeah, like you can, you can, you can have songs that like, have lyrics specific to um current events but um as as we said earlier like as as long as as long as you as as long as you keep them like just just vague enough that it could apply to any situation that that's that's how you go from like a good like a good or even great song to a timeless classic yeah and one thing i just kind of find weird is that and and we'll obviously be talking about this record eventually but when the band was touring behind their third album this would be a song they would actually bring back into the set list and i'm just kind of going wow is it kind of jarring going from like your radio single you're trying to promote at the time to to this this supercharged political anthem that starts out pretty slow and cleanly played and then just like just non-stop not letting off the gas pedal like a lot of the earlier tracks on this record but no i i love this this is one of my Beyond Davidian and Old, which I know would probably both be our one of or, or at least our favorites on this record, this would be like one that I think needs to be talked about more. I think one of my favorite tracks on here is the next one, Blood for Blood, which this, this is the one where you can really hear the, uh, the Bay Area thrash influence, specifically Testament is what i is what i noticed uh listening to this oh yeah a lot a lot of the riffs would not on this song specifically it would not be out of place on say the gathering which i know that's an album that comes out five years later from 1994 but no i 
I don't disagree with that at all. Blood for Blood's badass. It's even when it has that clean sung section, it does not feel like it's a lighter track. Nope. Yeah. And this, I definitely would see them considering that they're opening for Napalm Death at this point in their career. I can totally picture this being one of the songs that would actually get the crowd moving again rather than just them going like, stop with the singing. <laughs> Which, that, that's another thing that I guess we should talk about. As great, as great as Rob is on this, I guess if you could say it's a flaw, I don't consider it one. I've never really noticed it, but I, I know some people have said his singing on this album is kind of amateur sounding, but for me, that just kind of adds to the charm of it. it it's, it's funny. I've, I read somewhere that Flynn kind of described his, his vocals as like barking on key and listening yeah. and listening to this album. Yeah, that checks out. Like I would say this would be this would be the perfect album to give to Kiona, <laughs> to be honest. If we're if we're wanting him to check out some heavier bands, I would say give him a copy of Burn My Eyes. The next song, I'm Your God Now. You didn't know the story to this, Mike. Yeah, I I I just learned the story about this recently, and I think lyrically this might be one of the one of the darker tracks on the record um now let me see if i have this right this song is pretty pretty much pretty much describing um well substance abuse for one but also he's he's kind of talking about um the friend he lost to was it a a coke addiction okay so here's what happens so Machine Head inked their deal with Roadrunner Records and Rob gets an advance from the record label of some kind. Uh, keep in mind, I'm paraphrasing this story drastically, so some details might not be the most accurate. But from what I've heard, Rob inks the deal with Roadrunner Records. He spends his advance or celebrates with him and a friend and they celebrate by going and buying some heroin oh (laughs) because the bay area drugs so what winds up happening is rob odizen almost dies right and he has the contract that he just signed with roadrunner records right when he's ODing. i don't know what gets him to snap out of it and come back to life but i just know that he ODs and then either like a week or two after the person that he's doing the heroin with ODs too, but he doesn't make it. Wow. Yeah. So like you can obviously tell it's a song about drugs just by the first lyric of the chorus. So drink up, so shoot it. Why must this feeling end? Like, yeah, you can tell it's about drugs, but again, it's something that's kind of just makes it feel universal and just describes it to an outsider looking in in as great of detail possible yeah and i think the the fact that 
like the fact that he survived this and was able to tell the tell the to- the story it says a lot about his character yeah which um we'll definitely get into more of that especially when we're talking about the burning red like that's going to be that's going to be the beginning of like what a lot of personal stuff that would show up on later records would happen but i mean considering that this is just kind of the genesis and the beginning of the band and that a lot of people weirdly consider this a i've never thought of this song as a ballad in any capacity but it's 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 too heavy to be a ballad yeah definitely it's it's just one of those songs that just feels kind of perfect in its placement on the album this album just kind of flows perfectly from track to track and it never the album never really feels its length it doesn't and i also i also cannot in good conscience think of like a skippable track and yes i'm saying that as a transition to well a transition song which kind of has one of my favorite titles real real eyes realize real lies the word yeah. the word play on that is just incredible yeah this is this is just an instrumental track with a bunch of news clips played on top of each other but i mean at the same time it works for what it intends to accomplish i can't complain about it very much especially when the music that's being played on it just kicks your ass for the short time period it does yeah for 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 a mere uh transitional track they did not have to go this hard and yet <laughs> and and yet it works um you know com- combining um combining logan mater's riff with you know sound bites from from the LA riots is it doesn't sound like it should work, but um, like when you actually hear it on the record, it's it, 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 it's placement is just right. Yeah. And then we transition into our final track on the album. We're not calling this song block. We're calling it by its real title. This song's called fuck it all. Yeah. I mean, that's what the t- he literally says it in the chorus. But I mean, from from what I've heard, it's Roadrunner Records that told him, "Yeah, you can't have a song called Fuck It All' on your album." I mean, that makes sense because you have to sell you have to sell the record. So, well, at can't... this point, isn't Walmart like the biggest record chain in America at that point, and you've got to get your record because, like, this was when Walmart was like carrying CDs. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah, that kind of makes, that makes more sense why they would have to be a little bit more protective. I mean, I have, cause I know you guys had Sam Goody in the U S at one point, but I mean like up here in Canada, weird enough, Canadian Walmart doesn't care about things like that, but yeah. I mean, what can you do? We got a badass closing track out of it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This is really the only way you can close an album like this. Just something that's very fast, 
something that's as energetic as the previous 10 tracks that just kicked your ass the entire time. Yeah, yeah even, this, though, the, even though the, the, this closer, I, I, I don't even know what else to say about it. It's just, it's perfect in the way that like Davidian is a perfect opener. Yeah, it kind of bookends things as perfectly as it gets. And that end, you just kind of got to realize you just spent 55 minutes, almost an hour listening to an album. But you got to think about it, too. Did you ever once feel bored listening to it? No. Nope. Did you ever once go, eh, maybe this song could, you know, you could trim this fat and the record would, eh, no. Nope. Everything impacts. This, to me, this goes toe-to-toe with Kill Em All. This song goes toe-to-toe with Show No Mercy. This goes toe-to-toe with even Sepultura's debut Morbid Visions. Like, this is this is one of the best metal debut albums ever made. Yeah, I I agree with that. This th- this album rips. It's it's nothing but bangers. It's it never it never lets it never it never lets let's go um even even in like the slow moments that that's like your 5 seconds to breathe and then it just clobbers you right like it gets right back to clobbering you with riffs and some of the some of the most intense uh, drum work that that I've heard from from this era. Yeah, and even though Chris doesn't stay in the band at this point, just something about his drumming, man. I kind of wish we got him in more thrash bands or just more projects throughout the 90s and early 2000s. I I do think he is an underrated talent, but that's not to undersell the next drummer and who had joined the band for most of the rest of the albums we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, so just as a, as a preview for the next record, um, the more the more things change is the one that introduces Dave McLean, who is um, as of now like the long the longest running uh, drummer of the band. Yeah, who, who only who only um, left what like two years ago? Almost four now. Damn. Um, so here here's the thing: we might as well just kind of at least you know, bridge some gaps before we eventually talk about the more things change. Um, so it's not like Chris left on necessarily bad terms. It's just, it sounded like they wanted, because it did from what I just gather looking through Wikipedia and Google, it looks like he quit just because either there would be tours he would miss out on specifically, or they'd have to get fill-ins anyways. So they just, found a permanent replacement and Chris would go on to drum for Testament for a time. Oh, that's that. That's not a bad, uh, a bad gig, but to jump ahead a little bit, Logan and Chris will talk a little bit more about Logan leaving the band on the next two records, but 
Logan and Chris would rejoin the band for a brief period right before the pandemic happened. Oh, and that's the, um, well, the, what was it? The 25th uh, reunion. Uh, I, it was, yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming up on almost 30 years of this record and, I, I hate to sound like beating a dead horse because I honestly kind of wanted I kind of wanted to go into this and go like, okay, as much as I love this record and I've got rose-colored glasses for it, let's go back and try to like analyze more of it. But no, I just come away from this loving it more. It it's it's hard to to come up with like genuine negatives for for a record where you know where where we're not kind of like excusing it for you know it being a product of its time which yes there are a few elements but like as, as far as the stuff that matters there are really no skippable tracks um and even even the one like the one like transition song it's still kind of awesome in its own right. Yeah, exactly. I've, I don't even know which would be my favorite just because I literally just go every song on here is consistently great. And yeah, even if I, I would feel almost more comfortable ranking each song from, you know, least amazing to absolutely amazing but then i'd also go well you gotta factor in davidian well you gotta factor in none but my own oh you gotta factor in death church you gotta factor in blood for blood like i i honestly can't i was gonna ask you what your favorite is on this i can't even pick one i just go listen to the entire goddamn record it's incredible well well, let me ask let me ask you this say say like you have you have to pick a favorite gun to your head, but you can't pick Davidian or old. Do, do, does that make does that make your choice easier or harder? Probably harder because I just go then a nation on fire, then block, then I'm your god now. I mean, just kind of each track is formative to me getting into heavier metal at this point. So I just go there really is just listen to this record people just go listen to it you will literally be thanking us going yeah you guys were right mm-hmm. my my gun to, gun to the head uh choices would be probably none none but my own death church blood for blood and block but again it's 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 hard to come it's hard to pick favorites on a, on a, uh, on a flawless record. Yeah. Because you will, like, you will never be satisfied with the picks. Yeah. This is the definition of a five out of five record. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, with that in mind, um, just to set up the next record. So like I was saying, Chris, eventually leaves the band leaving a drum spot vacant for Dave McLean. So uh, I will leave it off on this note. So 
for people not as familiar with Machine Head's catalog, well, are they just going to rest on their laurels and record a similar sounding album or do something completely radically different? You're going to have to listen to the next time we do an episode on this because we're covering the more things change next time. That we are. And I'll, I'll admit this now. This is the album that I have heard the least. I even go as far as to say I, um, I don't think I've ever listened to this like front to back. So by the, by the time you hear the next episode, I will, I will have my more complete thoughts. But until then... Nick, where can everyone find you online? Uh, as usual, Instagram at Super Saiyan Death Metal God. Mostly just post album covers, mostly just post movies and video games. So if you like that, come hang out and just talk music with me. I post pretty frequently. Shoot me some binge likes and yeah. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Captain K42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash coachk42. And you can find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. You can check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. Find us on Podchaser. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. Need escape? So do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Jukebox. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys later. Peace out.